cliffcentral.com. Yes. Very, very cool. San Nonke. Wow, it's cool to be back. Uh, been away for a little while. My name is Andrew Lee. Welcome to this Frankly Speaking. Com. There you go. You see, I've even forgotten how the stings work in this place. It's ridiculous. How are you doing? Thank you to G-Man and the crew. Back again tomorrow, 6 to 9. Welcome to the show. I'm flying solo today. Rory Sang did a swap out. I was in New York for a little while visiting and, you know, just trying to be important. Rory is actually important. He went to go uh, see a whole bunch of important people in New York, and he'll tell us a little bit about that when he's back. So it is just me here in studio, frankly speaking, for one hour, and we're going to be talking about fees. Of course, fees must fall. Yes, we know. But we're going to be talking about it in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I've got Dion Chang here and Arlene Mulder from We Think Code, and we're going to be speaking about the future of tertiary education. What are your thoughts about tertiary education? Is it as important? Did you get a job straight after your tertiary education? Love to hear from you. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or of course on uh, the WeChat at cliffcentral.com. We want to hear from you. Is tertiary uh, education as important as we all say it is? Of course, we know it is important, but is it the only solution? And should South Africa be spending some time looking into new different ways, using technology, using different methods, apprenticeships, technicons, to actually get the 60% of this country, which is classified as youth, into the working market. We've got uh, on the line as well, Dion Chang. He is a trends analyst from Johannesburg, from Flux Trends. He uh, wrote a really interesting article about this movement away from tertiary education. And uh, it's starting in the UK. Big companies like Ernest & Young and KPMG are now not asking for educational uh, criteria, i.e. they're not asking for that piece of paper. They're saying, hey, if you've got it, you've got it, and we'll teach you the rest. Uh, on the line from Joburg is Dion Chang. Good morning to you, Dion. Good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? Hey, I'm very, very good. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. You are a trends analyst. Is that Have I got you right? Are you a futurist? Are you? I mean, what do you call yourself, Dion? Yeah, I'm a futurist. I'm a trends analyst. Uh, whenever uh, somebody asks me, what do, what do I do? I just tell them the short answer is I make you think differently. Um, so uh, obviously, I've, 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 I've stirred some gray matter in, on, on your side uh, with, this, with this column as well. Absolutely. I mean, talk us through, before we get into the column, let's, let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about your thoughts on this fees must fall. Uh, what, what do you, I mean, have you been seeing this for a little while? Is this, has this been coming? Yeah, we um, we release a, a, a new trend report every quarter of the year, and and basically the, the the difference with what we do at Flux Trends is is we look at trends as business strategy. So so it's it's not kind of lifestyle trends, not color trends, all of those kind of things. We look at it very very differently. We look at the impact of technology. Um, I. I I lecture trends modules about business disruption, and that's where this really started coming from. So about 18 months ago, almost two years ago, we started noticing um, a very strange cross-pollination of skills. So, so people with, uh, with skills who thought they would land up in one industry would suddenly end up in a completely different industry, which they would never, never have thought of, of doing. And that started mm-hmm. happening more and more rapidly. And, and if, I, if I just take a step back and I look at what's happening to the landscape of business, this will help um, the listeners sort of understand and where, where I'm going, going with this, yeah. is you, you, you're starting to see that, that digitization collapses value, traditional value chains within businesses. So, so a lot of stuff has been shrunken, um, which, which means there's very complex problems to solve in businesses, and, and you, you need 
hybrid skills and and critical thinkers and problem solvers to come into into your into your business and and that's when we started picking up the the, the whole thing with, with with Ernst and Young which ironically was announced um, a month before Fees Must Fall started in October 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you started seeing new mantras. When we started doing research, you started seeing mantras uh, from, from HR practitioners saying, we hire for attitude, we retrain for skills. And some, some really forward-thinking companies are, are, are also doing, we're hiring the person, but we won't even tell you which division in the company you, you, you're going to be in, which unsettles a lot of people. But if we layer that with our uh, millennial studies, it, it works perfectly with, with, with a young millennial workforce because um, young millennials are, are, are wanting to go into, into a company, not because they want to marry the company for the rest of their lives, but it's, a, it's an individual knowledge journey. So, so you, you're trying to find and learn as much as you can. So, so these four thinking companies are actually keeping the talent they want inside the company, but letting them experiment in different, in different uh, departments. And if, even when I talk about different departments, the whole thing about silos and hierarchies is for me a very, very outdated or very fast becoming obsolete way of running businesses, which were all spawned in the late and mid 20th century. That's when mm-hmm. corporations were formed. That's when factories were formed. That's when all our labor laws were formed. And if you, if you go into the world where I go into, which is the gig economy and sharing economies and, 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 and a whole lot of other new ways of working, then the old template of work is really dissolving very, very fast. So, so when we go back to Fees Must Fall, my big concern was I totally, totally back the movement as, as do a lot of people. A lot of people uh, in South Africa, majority of people say, this makes sense. We, we need to have free education specifically for the poor. The, the, the missing middle needs to be heavily, heavily subsidized. The people that can afford education needs to pay for, for education. We, we, we've established that. My fear is that we're fighting in the wrong trenches for the wrong academic qualifications because you're starting to see a, a waning appetite in business and, and in HR for, for people with, with, with degrees. We, we, we're looking for – there's a fantastic article. So if, if somebody wants to just Google this, it's called The, the Operating System That's Eating the World. And it's, a, it's a, uh, by the guy, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Aaron Dignan. And he talks about uh, these hybrid workers that I'm mentioning. And he says – we need makers, people who can who can make, think, uh, learn on the job, uh, create things, rather than people with credentials. And that's kind of where we are in the, in, the, Dion, in the discussion. I'm interested to hear that, you know, you're speaking, I just want to take you back a little bit. You're talking about HR professionals saying hire for attitude, train for skills. Is that because universities are just not doing a good job at doing this training? There's, 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 okay, so there's different things. So I want to take a step back because people come down heavily on me whenever I, I start mentioning this. So there are absolutely, there's still a necessity for certain professions and certain careers where you need that academic trajectory. So if you're, a, if you're a doctor, I, I hope as hell that you, you've done your seven or eight years and, and specialization before you cut me open. Um, and, and lawyers and, 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 and those kind of professions, engineers, all of those things. But what I'm starting to look at is you're starting to see a, a loosening up of 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 what we require in in in, in businesses. So so it's 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 much more kind of agile thinking, and and exactly that. So so for me, your 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 bachelor's degrees and everything, not so much. And and the reason why some companies like Ernst and Young said they 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 put in a different uh, way of measuring skills. Um, and so for one of these companies that is a really left brain company that that only um, started to or, 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 or used to 
just employ graduate students. For them to make this shift was a major, major, major thing um, that they kind of reverberated around the world. And so people are saying there's no correlation of, of what you do at university is not a guarantee that you're going to be good in your job uh, when, when you when you get into that job. And, and when you start uh, layering in the hybrid skills and the need for critical thinkers and, and problem solvers uh, and, 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 and the fact that roles and responsibilities are going to be uh, meshed and, and merged in different companies, if you spend four years or something just specializing in something like that with no practical uh, application to that, then the whole thing about hiring for attitude, retrain for skills is is – is kind of a no-brainer for me. You, you you really need to do that, and and especially when people now say to me, um, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm doing my masters, and I'm doing my honours in, in this." I kind of, at the back of my mind, have to bite my tongue and say, "Why? Why are you doing this? Because I don't think it's necessary." <laughs> you've just joined the show. A lot of people. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've just offended everyone. Mothers and fathers are I cursing know, you right now. You've just joined the show. We're talking about, uh, frankly speaking, what does the future of tertiary education look like? Speaking to trends analysts, a futurist named Dion Chang from Flux Trends. He's uh, on the line from Joburg. We've also got Arlene Mulder uh, in studio. She is a fascinating person. Uh, she runs a company called We Think Code. Arlene, good morning to you. Hi, Andrew. Good to be here. Good to see you, man. Um, I I wanted to bring up the fact that um, I've been because Arlene is Afrikaans, and I uh, had an interaction with a ten-year-old yesterday and realized that I can't speak this language anymore. So I'm, I'll keep it in English just so I don't embarrass Perfect. myself. No problem. Arlene, you run a thing called We Think Code, an organization, not a thing called We Think Code. Um, tell us a little bit about why you started this thing. So actually, it was very interesting listening to Dion. Um, I used to work at RMB in the banking industry, and I saw exactly all those trends emerge. And it's interesting. Actually, she saw them before you, Dion. <laughs> she saw them before you. <laughs> well, two years ago, exactly, we we started this idea of We Think Code. But um, there was this – the world is going through this digital revolution. And um, being in the bank, I also saw there was a need for new kind of skills – um, skills that's more about problem solving, skills that people can look at business problems, but at the same time use technology to solve these problems. And there was just this massive need for people with these kind of different mindsets and problem solving skills. At the same time, in a country like ours, there's so much potential. We've got 3.9 million unemployed young people. And we've actually got 200,000 vacancies for software engineers, but there's this massive skills gap. There's a lot of barriers to entry. Sorry, I mean, 200,000. 200,000 vacancies. Okay. Um, and, but there's a lot of barriers to entry. So first of all, our education system, and second of all, um, the financial barrier, the whole fees must fall campaign. So we managed to, um, to come up with a model where it's completely free to students, and you don't even need matric to apply. So exactly um, as Dion mentioned in the trends, we look for the attitude and the potential. Mm-hmm. So how it works at We Think Code is you write, you play two games online. So you've got to be 17 to 35 years old, and we're testing, do you have this aptitude? Do you have this ability? to solve problems. There's no instructions, figure it out. There's only a 2% pass rate to this. But then the second step of our application is absolutely focused on the attitude. So you've got a four-week boot camp. You go for four weeks through this um, intense course every single day, um, Saturday and Sunday included. You've got a hectic 24-hour challenge, exams every week. And then we choose students based on their attitude and their passion for technology. And is this really something that they want to do? And then they study 
study full time two years for us with us uh, in software engineering. You see, Arlene has got her elevator speech down. She's like, okay, listen, I've only got two minutes here, and I've got to say everything. Absolutely There's a lot everything. more to say, Andrew. There's Absolutely everything. Okay, well, we'll give you time. Don't worry, Arlene. Um, Dion, I want to talk to you through. You said an interesting thing where you're like, no, but there is a space for tertiary. There is a space for universities. Um, specifically traditional education. And um, I think you're just being nice, aren't you? Because, I mean, let's be honest, you, you know, you spoke about doctors as a good example. And here's an interesting thought. I mean, if you took a doctor and you said, right, instead of doing seven years of learning through big books that were published in 1985 about the heart, what if I put you in Joburg Gen right now as a apprentice, so you don't actually do any operating, you, you, you're helping people, you're helping the doctors, and you're learning on the job. Surely after seven years, you will know that profession inside out. You'll know better than those guys coming out of a seven-year degree. Am I wrong? Well, look, I think, I think especially medicine, you still need, need a bit of theory. But to Arlene's point, you're starting to see amazing technologies that are coming through. So um, like your… Like WebMD. Uh, web like, like your wingman <laughs> out in New York in, in, in July. And I tried on this thing called the HoloLens, okay? And, and it's, 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 the, it's kind of the next evolution of, of where virtual reality and augmented reality mix into, into this thing called the metaverse. And there's a, a construction application. There's an automotive application. And I, I show a, 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 a healthcare application in, in, in my trend talks. And a surgeon puts – a trainee surgeon puts this HoloLens on, on. And what you see is an, is an anatomy. And you can actually start swiveling it. You can, you can break wow. it up. You can remove the muscles. You can do all of these things. Hmm. And the guy says to camera, he says, this is the first time I have actually seen – the aortic valve inside the heart. I know where to find it. I know what it looks like. Mm. And it's because of this new technology that, that I've been able Amazing. to do that instead of cutting up a cadaver and, and uh, a cadaver, sorry, and, and, and sort of, you know, sort of uh, rummaging around and, and trying to find it. So, so I think there's, there's even for those professions, it's starting to, 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 to become uh, quicker. There's different ways of doing things. And, just overarching trend, if you look at all of this, is if you think about our education system, um, it was like I mentioned the, 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 the factories and, and the corporations that were built in, in the mid and early 20th centuries. Our education system was built on that system. Mm -hmm. So we had to learn things root and memory. Nowadays, you, you don't need to memorize all of that stuff. You find it, you, you, you need information and knowledge workers. It's about, it's not just about finding the information, but knowing what to do with that information and turning that information into something else. And, and our, our, our primary, secondary, and then getting into tertiary education is stuck in that 20th century model. And mm. this is my big, my big problem. And I'm really glad you've got Arlene on, 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 on the line because in, in my, um, in the column, I say to people, what I recommend, and, and if you look at a place like Germany, which has got one of the lowest youth unemployment rates in the world, they, they advocate and they do a lot of um, uh, internships. They do apprenticeships when you're coming out of your matric, your secondary school uh, phase. Um, and I said internships, on-the-job learning, and a lot of varied short courses like coding or UX, which is user experience, which uh, two, two industries I've got my money on as well. I, I, you know <clears> – <throat> I've just lost my train of thought, Dion. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was going to talk a little bit about um, this idea of the the stigma behind apprenticeships and on the job learning, and our thoughts. You know, I think I can speak for at least myself, Arlene. 
maybe I can speak for you. I don't know. Maybe you should speak for yourself. But isn't isn't Dion what some of the stuff that you're saying coming from a bit of a privileged position? You know, the idea of us going online and doing edX courses or MIT courses for free and and so on, and and then taking that to an employer and going, well, look, to be honest, I didn't do any university, but I did all these cool courses at MIT and Harvard, and you should you should look at me. Isn't that a privileged perspective? I mean, if you're from uh, if you're if you're black, if you're from a previously disadvantaged community and um, you've had nothing, university is the key, isn't it? It's the game changer. I mean, how do we <clears throat> how do we change, I suppose, perspectives there and, and go, you know, is everyone thinking the same as you and, and are your thoughts not just from a privileged position? And if so, what do we do about that? Yeah, look, I I agree, and and also I I disagree, and I I agree. I like that. Because, I like uh, that when you agree and disagree. That's that's like in Afrikaans, Yanya <laughs> Natyalik. Yanya, you're just on the fence. Yes, no, naturally. Okay, cool. Carry on, please. Absolutely, yeah. and and from a trend point of view, I've I've got to I've got to be completely objective and not subjective. Um, so so uh, I don't think it's it's totally from a privileged point of view because if you look at uh, what we we think code does. Um, it, it is an open thing. You can you can um, apply online, and if you're starting to see where the the technological trajectory is, there's a lot of things that are that are open universities. There's a lot of things that are that are more available. Um, we need to have another discussion about the what I call the the, the, the evil tripartite alliance of the the telecoms people who are not giving us uh, cheaper data. But that's <laughs> another discussion for another day. Mm-hmm. But also, if you if you start uh, you know looking at that, we, we we do have this historical disadvantage that says. If I get into university and if I get that degree, then everything's going to be okay. And yeah. what we're starting to see is a trend of degreed baristas, and it's, it's starting to come into South Africa as well. So what I mean by that is you're seeing people, especially in, in, uh, around the world, a lot of especially young millennials, going through that degree. Student student debt is a major, major problem in, in American politics. There's a big yeah. elephant in the room there. But you're also seeing so people – Get a degree, they can't get the get a job, so they they look for lower skilled jobs. So what happens with that is they push those lower skilled workers out of that labour market. And if that happens in South Africa, that is completely completely disastrous. So we've got to recalibrate. We've got to rethink uh, what what is a skill. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be an academic skill. So I'm not saying we don't need the skills. I'm saying we need different skills. And and acad- academic skills is for me. A waning uh, a need, especially especially in, in in business. So the interesting thing for me is, if you look at these free online MOOCs, the pass rate for this is about four percent. Wait, what is a MOOC? So it's ma- a massive open online course. Okay. So it's it's just free online courses. So I've registered for some edX courses, and I've never finished them. Mm-hmm. But what we've done it, we think, oh, so technically it's online, but it is at campus. Mm-hmm. So there's still something to say for for creating this environment to getting like-minded people together. Mm-hmm. So that's what our entire model is built on. It's the peer-to-peer learning. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think just having an online um, university is the answer. There's still a lot to say for, for being in the same space and for this peer-to-peer interaction. And then the second thing that I would say is it, it's still the access to the workplace. So if you have a degree today, it's easier for a company to say, okay, cool, checkbox degree. If you just say, listen, Mr. RMB, I've got a I did this edX course, it's quite difficult for them to really assess if you can actually do it. Mm. But what's really exciting to me is um, the partners that we've got on board. So how our business model works is that students don't pay, 
but we've got corporates that actually sponsor students to study. And we've got companies from RMB, FMB, Dimension Data, Alan Gray, Telcom. Forget this person just punting here. I've got to stop this no, punter. Why, why, stop why this, this is important is <laughs> they're saying to us they don't even care if students have matric. So companies like that, we our students might not have matric. They've changed their minds. They've said, listen, we don't care what the qualification is. But I think what, what organizations such as us still bring is that access to the workplace because we still connect the students to the corporates. Well, you bring a credibility as well because, I mean, Dion, your experience, you've worked with a lot of corporates over the years. I mean, they're still a little bit backward in South Africa. You've given examples of America and the U.K. specifically, and, and that's fantastic. But, it, gosh, if you go into the HR departments in South African corporates, it's a, it's a completely different story, isn't it? No, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's, that's kind of my uh, – uh, cold, cold face every day is because I, I go and rattle cages, especially in, 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 in corporate uh, uh, institutions. But I just want to layer something else. And, it, and yes, it is an American uh, survey as well, but uh, it, it, it just shows what's happening and, and that ripple effect that's, that's starting to do it. So, so this was back in 2010. And, and, and exactly to, to, to what Arlene is saying is so in 2010, this, there was this huge survey. They said 20% of, of jobs. Jobs, uh, this is in America, required a bachelor's degree. 43% required some kind of high school education. 26% didn't even require that. Meanwhile, they said 40% of young people were studying for degrees. So which means that half the people that are going for those degrees are not going to find the, 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 the jobs there. Mm. And, and the nature and, and the future of work is changing and evolving so rapidly. Yeah. Um, and, and just sort of kind of hence my the thing of, of let's let's maybe pick the different trench or, or a different battle for for the correct war. We're fighting the right war, but maybe we we're just picking the wrong battle. And I think we have such good examples in South Africa of people that don't have degrees but are in high positions. I mean, look at Claudi Motseneng. I mean, fantastic, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> wonderful examples. Perfect. Example. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I want to I want to speak to both of you and ask some questions here around. Um, you know, one of the biggest barriers to entry is actually probably the mindset, not of the student or the young person, but actually of the parents and getting them into spaces um, like apprenticeships, on-the-job learning, like We Think Code. Um, Arlene, let's ask you, and then Dion, I'll come to you. How do we change the mindset of the community, of the parents that are like, you know, I've heard that education and I know that education is the key to success. Um, and getting me out of where I am right now. And my kid now wants to go do what? They want to go do a coding thing. You know, there's not, yeah. there's not even a Zulu <laughs> word for coding. Like, how do you explain that? Ah, mama, we're Quenzai computer lab. I mean, what are you going to say? You know, so how do you change the mindset? Now, I, th- I think that's one of the most important things. And that's one of the things that we try to do is, is educate both young people and parents on, on the amazing potential that you have if you have a software engineering degree. We saw that in the beginning, um, on the first day uh, that we opened, we actually asked students to write down what they want from, from the boot camp. And a lot of them said, oh, we thought this was a scam. It sounded too good to be true. <laughs> Fly by night. So, um, so a lot of parents, uh, we had to speak to and explain this. I guess what really helped in our case is the corporates that came on board. So at least uh, they could see uh, the big names behind it, that people actually believe in it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a problem. We need to change the narrative. Um, a lot of the students uh, told me, no, their parents just say, study accounting. If you're an accountant, yeah. you're good. Yeah. Um, but the mindset needs to change for everyone. I mean, when I was in matric, they told me, okay, great, the top five, accountant, lawyer, doctor, engineer, mm-hmm. or actor. And that's it. But the world is changing. And then you went and studied what? Actual science. 
Damn it. <laughs> yeah, good. so I'm an good. undercover nerd, mathematician. Okay. And I said, uh, I made a little joke about it's coding is not even a Zulu word, but it's not only Zulu parents that are affected by this uh, English middle class, higher class, upper class elite, Dion. Um, when, when their children say, you know, I want to, um, I, I want to take the year off and just, you know, go be in the world and do a few online courses, parents go absolutely ballistic. How do you change, how do you change the mindsets of parents, uh, regardless of socioeconomic background? Okay, I, I then, I, I then do a, 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 a pincer maneuver and I, and I rattle a cage on, from, from the other end. This conversation uh, many many times, and 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 generally you can watch the information sink in, and then the light bulb goes on. I said, why on earth? I said, if you look physiologically at human development, at, at, at when we go through puberty, we go through all of those kind of things. The human brain actually only finally settles into adult thinking mode at the age of 21. And I said, think back to all of your friends, to, to relatives, everything like that. You force your child at, at 18 or whenever they finish high school, you've got to go into university, you've got to get a degree, you've got to do, do, do this. And about 95%, I'm not you know, accurate about this, but a huge majority of this, around about 21, 22, there's a, you know what, mom and dad, I don't know if I really want to do this. I want to do something else. And generally, there's a switch around that, around that time. And so I say to them, yeah, go on that, not even a gap year, get a, 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 a bachelor of life degree and go and, uh, you know, work, go and do short uh, things and, and then do an academic degree when you, when you, when you, when you come back and you can think properly and it'll save you a lot more money. And that, that generally gets to them. We're speaking to um, Flux Trends CEO, um, Dion Chang, as well as Arlene Mulder. She is the MD CEO, founder, founder. Uh, all of those things um, of, <laughs> of We Think Code, about what does the future of tertiary education look like? Lots of questions uh, online as well. Keep those tweets coming in at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y Levy. Uh, happy Yom Kippur to everyone who's got the Levy surname. Uh, you see, some people have to do it. Uh, some people have to go online here. And also, uh, you can hit us up on WeChat at cliffcentral.com. I think that there is this interesting thought, though, uh, Dion, which is to say government, right? They use, we saw today specifically that they have a special task team that they've put together for Fees Must Fall. Uh, interestingly enough, not including the Treasury, which is probably the biggest uh, parody you've ever seen. But it's almost like we, we need to rejig our or re, rejig our frame of reference here uh, as government as well and say actually the important thing is access to i suppose you know online resources and getting uh, online resources into townships communities so that when people say I'm taking a gap year specifically in township communities they can actually go and do these online courses do university of life properly and figure out what they want to do yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I've got, I've got a friend who who's, who has a daughter who's not decided what what she wants to do, and I just said, well, don't go and enroll in a, in a, in a university. And her cousin, uh, about the same age, uh, went straight into school and into that. So, so the the, the my friend's uh, daughter 
um, has worked, uh, you know, she's did a little bit of admin work at a, at a vet. She's been all pairing. She's been doing this and she worked uh, for, for a big franchise. And I said, if I was an employer and I looked at the two of them, um, which one would I actually employ? Yeah, and yeah. hands down, I would employ the one that's gone for, for these little quick jobs and, and does some admin and she understands sort of the ecosystems of companies and how things work versus somebody who, well, is now busy protesting at, uh, at, at Rhodes University. So um, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> Taking a little poke there, I see, Dion. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I, but it's just my, it's my point. It's just, it's just uh, you know, we, I, I Everyone, everyone agrees with the movement, but I just and, and for for me, it is we need the skills. We don't necessarily always have to have academic skills, and and that's where the world has changed. And in a digitized world, in a knowledge economy, uh, it's, it's a very very different world. Dion, uh, how much time do we have left with you? I know you're a very very business busy man. Uh, what have we got? I've got about, about five minutes, and I've got to rush to Perfect. Okay, then I'm going to speak to Arlene afterwards and, and chat a little bit more sure. about We Think Code. Just give us, um, you know, you, you've been around the block a few times, and I don't mean in age, but just in experiences. <laughs> uh, but give us a little bit of understanding. Who do you think is doing this alternative education exceptionally well? Like who should, if it's a young person, 18, 19, or even 20, and has done a bit of university and still doesn't know what they're up to, where should they be looking? What should they be doing? Who should they be speaking to? I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a really difficult question because, you know, I think also when you start looking at that, it, 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 it you require a different way of even approaching a company. I think what, what they need to do is, is not do the usual thing of like just send out that CV and, 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 and in the usual, in the usual fashion. There's a lot of um, information online as well that, that says, you know, what you should, how you should be approaching people, how you should be, be doing things. A lot of people sort of asked me to come and work for, 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 for Flux and, and I look for different different things. So think about the industry that you want to to be in, mm-hmm. and and what is going to be attractive to that. So you know, uh, we we've just released a, a whole trend report about uh, communicating and doing business in a hyper visual world. Um, you know, it's it's not such a bad thing. You're starting to see people instead of sending a CV, you send an infographic, you send a video, you send something else. The point and the problem is, as as you pointed out, Andrew, is that the you know I think the the corporates are not ready for that as well. Mm. So there's, there's a bit of a disjoint um, when, when, when it comes to that. But again, you see different companies uh, with, within the, in the private sector. Uh, one of them is a program called Harumbi by Hollard. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of uh, um, corporates that are starting to look th- of, of things, looking at things differently. And, and again, for me, it's just, it's get your foot in the door. Uh, the minute you've got a bit of experience, because that's a catch-22. It's like you've studied, you've done all of this kind of stuff, but, um, you know, and, and, and everyone wants to sort of a, a fast track to that, that corner office with a nice view, but it's not going to happen. So, you know, you, you, you need to, 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 to offer your skills to, to just get in there and, 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 and try some things. But I think the approach of, 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 of people looking for jobs is, is, is wrong, as is the, the way in which people uh, accept things. So uh, I'll give you an example of how Google uh, do it. You can imagine how many people want to work uh, for Google. So what they did, uh, so, so this is a message, hopefully some, some employers are also listening there, is the way of filtering out people coming to them. They took billboards out on, on, on highways, and what they did was they put an algorithm on it. So nobody knew what the hell this billboard was doing, except a few bright young minds who said, ah, I know what this means. And it actually told them that Google was looking for, uh, for, for, for employment. And, and in, that, in that way, Google just uh, completely uh, streamlined who was coming to them, and, and it was like a direct way of doing things. So there's, there's very different ways. And 
And for me, it's just be inventive about it. But but also, you know, don't just go and say, okay, this is what I've done. This is what I've studied. And, and here's my piece of paper. Research that company. Really offer why they should do it. I mean, you know, get, get a bit of debating skills and, and, and be a bit proactive. Because um, if I go back to the beginning of what I was saying, we want problem solvers and we want critical thinkers. So show that you're a problem solver and a critical thinker, not just uh, someone that's going to follow the and, and, and kind of just toe the line. All right, Dion, lastly, before before I let you go, the future of South Africa right now, you're a futurist. There are a lot of people that are thinking like, oh, South Africa's going to the dumps and oh my God, look at the, look at the students, look at all the stuff. Wow, okay. Um, are, we, are we in big trouble? Are we, where is South Africa going? Look, I yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 uh, what's happening this this past week is, is is rather concerning. But but I take I take a little bit of a, a sort of um, heart that that you're seeing things happen around the world that 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 are the same. And 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 for me, we're actually starting to already uh, frame and 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 put the structure together for for a, a presentation that comes out uh, at the beginning of every year called the state when it's our kind of the state of the nation and where we are in the world, and we theme it every year. Um, and it's a loose working title, but at the moment, it's, uh, the title is Dazed and Confused um, and Other Side Effects of Being Woke. And I think that's where we are. We, the, 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 there's, there's wokeness around the world. Uh, there's different lenses that, that uh, people are being forced to, to, to look through. Um, and, and, and all of those barriers, whether it's social, whether it's political, whether it's economical, are all starting to break down. And we are going through that growing pains thing. And nobody likes change, which is why it freaks everybody out. So I'm sorry to leave you on that note, but that's exactly where we are. So uh, I just encourage people, yeah, just uh, go be woke. Dion, thank you so much for joining us and spending so much time with us uh, on uh, Frankly Speaking. If you want to catch Dion and all his futurist thoughts, you can check him on Twitter at Dion Chang. Uh, Dion, just uh, out of interest, the, flak- the reports that you've been speaking about over the last half an hour, are those free online? Um, they, they're not free online, but you can join. So, so all of our work is really done for, for clients and everything. So, uh, what we've got, we've got, we, we've got things called open sessions and we've just publicized, we're going to do our last open session, which is open to the public, uh, in November. Um, and, and that's on, on, on innovation. So, so every quarter we have an open session, um, in Cape Town and, and in Joburg. And that's when, uh, the public are able to, to access our work and, and, and have a look and see what we, what we do. Awesome. Well, send us the details. We'd love to publicize that and uh, hear more from you. That's Dion Chang, uh, the founder and head of Flux Trends. Thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Awesome. So we're back in studio. Arlene, we've heard Dion. He talks at a very uh, high level about what's happening in uh, in the world, I suppose, and in South Africa and all these trends. You're living these trends. Um so let's get back to you. you. You gave us the elevator pitch, but I want to digest it and dissect it a little bit. Let's start with what you studied. <laughs> Do we have to start yeah, there? <laughs> I want to start there because I think it's really um, important, right? So you yeah. studied actuarial so, science. Yeah, so I studied a course, business, mathematics, and informatics. So I had a bit of programming as well and mathematics, statistics, and economics altogether. Why are you so embarrassed by that? Because I sound like such a nerd, I guess. Well, when you I say are that. a nerd. I mean, let's be honest. So, yeah, so how I'll, many years? I'll just accept it. Exactly. Um, I studied five years and did my master's degree. And then you went off and worked in a bank. Yes. So it gets from boring to even more boring. Well done. Okay, yeah, we're going well here. It, this is um, good. It was actually, it was interesting. I learned a lot. I'm I totally joined, totally I joined credits in the financial crisis. So that was, that was interesting. 
And then I, then I moved um, completely to something different. I was a deal maker in corporate finance, so in mergers and acquisitions. But what's interesting about that is um, living in the trends of what's happening in business. So um, it was a fascinating job, actually, because I got to sit with CEOs of companies and listen to them think and strategize about the future of their companies. Mm-hmm. So that was actually pretty And cool. then you took a turn. <laughs> yes. What happened in that moment? That's what I want to understand because you've done – now close to 10 years of work and study, right? We're not giving away your age here. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and you've then gone stuff all of it. I need to do something completely different. Why? That's a good question. Um, I've always been quite passionate about education um, from a personal point of view. And I actually looked at it a lot from an investment point of view also. Um, and I've also loved technology always. Mm-hmm. I um, I always find myself um, using that. So even when I joined corporate finance, which is deal making space, um, I used to build models hard just to do things quicker. We used to take three days to do a comps model and then I built something and it took three seconds. So I've just always loved seeing seeing that. And I know it's going to sound really stupid, but I just felt I needed to do something that matters. I don't know. It's Why does that sound stupid? Because I guess for for a logical person, that doesn't make sense. But um, I think I just saw this this massive demand for it, and I don't know. I just felt right. To do so it. what did you do? How did you how did you get the idea of we think code from from a thought into action? I mean, because a lot of young people are hearing what Dion Chang saying, looking at Feasmus Four, and going, "Flip, maybe the way is not through this. Maybe it is a little bit of a different path." And entrepreneurship, obviously, everyone knows that it's it's a big thing and it's exciting, and everyone wants to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. once in their life. It's tough. Um, it is tough, and not everyone should be. But um, tell tell the listeners and and myself, like, what is you know, how did you get it from thought to action? So. I think the first thing was seeing this massive demand and realizing that there's actually no one really or no place really in the market that's addressing this. Mm-hmm. And I then met my co-founder, Camille, and she told me about this incredible model in Paris. It was started by Xavier Nell, the founder of a telecoms company, Iliad and the mobile network free. And he realized also he couldn't find the skills for his business. And he's a self-taught programmer himself. And they said, okay, if we could start a new kind of tech university from scratch. Now, he gave 70 million euros of his own money. So he had the luxury to kind of experiment and play around. And they came up with this model to say, okay, for software engineering specifically, this is what a university of the future would look like. And um, we looked at this model and we just said, wow, this sounds perfect for South Africa because it doesn't matter what you've studied before, where you come from. Their model is also free. And it's a lot just focused on developing skills for the future, problem-solving mm-hmm. skills. Um, you, use, you learn coding, but coding is just the tool that you use for problem-solving. And we just thought, wow, this sounds perfect for South Africa. And like I said, it didn't really make sense. I just decided, okay, I need to resign because I couldn't do the full-time job and um, start a new business. And we took it from there and um, flew over to Paris, met with 42. They gave us the exclusive rights after a lot of negotiations uh, to the 42 model for sub-Saharan Africa. And then we had to come up with a business model because in Paris, uh, Xavier Nell just gave his own money to start this. And we didn't want to start something that uh, was just reliant on some grants and, you know, then it's a fly-by-night, flash in the pan, and then it doesn't even exist anymore. So we worked very hard on thinking, how do we make this sustainable? 
And I must say in the beginning, I mean, you can imagine all my ex-banker, um, ex-colleagues, they thought it was crazy. Um, first of all, the way that an education model should work is that students pay fees. You know, mm-hmm. that's the model. But we just thought about it a little bit differently. And then secondly, we don't have any teachers or any classes. But if you think about, if you think about, let's say what Uber has done, mm-hmm. uh, everyone gives that example, but they've <laughs> taken away the capital intensive asset. Mm-hmm. So in our case, it's the teachers. I'm not saying teachers are not good, but that is the largest cost component of um, education. And also it's very, very difficult to find quality teachers. Can I interrupt yes, you for two absolutely. seconds? Sorry, just to say, I want to I get your views on something you said a little earlier, which was to say a lot of critics of this fees must fall movement is saying that if fees are free, then like it's, you know, they won't value their education. You know, I don't know what accent that was. I apologize, <laughs> but, but you don't charge anything. Um, so exactly. do you, do you feel that your students, you call them students? Yes. Do you feel like your students are still value that education? Absolutely. And, but I must say, when we started the business, that was a big question to us. Mm-hmm. And because everyone says that if it's free, people are not going to value it. But, you know, there are other ways to do this. So we find out of all our students that we selected in our first year, 118, we've had one student drop out. Wow. So actually, it's not a problem at all. And I think, you know, we've created an environment where people actually want to be. They want to learn. And I think that's part of our application process with the whole boot camp. I mean, if you come there 26 days in a row, no sleep, Saturdays and Sundays, you want this. And we've created, I think, an environment with like-minded people. They, they're with their friends. They just love being there. And then it's actually not about the fees. So not about the fees. Okay. So now give us an understanding because, you know, like people are also worried about these apprenticeships on the job learning models. I mean, I run as well, I run one as well. So I know, I know all the difficulties of convincing people to specifically older generational people that this is the way of the future. How many people are playing? You said you start with a game. Yes. So last so you year, go online to this game. Yes. This so is your first we, year. We opened our student applications last year on the 1st of October. Right. We did not know fees must fall was going to happen, but I think um, we got a lot of attention in the media because we were free. So we had 30,000 applications. 30,000. 30,000. Playing this game. Playing this game. Okay. So it's just literally a spaceship that needs to get stars. Actually, I can't even say that because there's no instructions. You must figure out what to do. <laughs> oh, you've stuffed the I've whole just thing stuffed up, up oh my, my game. <laughs> but um, yeah, you just play this. And what we're testing is, are you someone um, that loves to solve problems and that has this ability to think in this critical thinking type of way? Mm-hmm. That's the first step. So 30,000. And then we selected, um, so if you pass this, you can attend one of our boot camps. So we had 340 students going through the boot camps. Mm-hmm. And then we selected the top 118 for this year. Next year, we're planning to take 200 students. So that's at least another 500 students through our boot camp. And how many people will that mean you need to apply? Well, I guess. Here comes the maths. <laughs> Let's go. Let's see if you've got well, it. Then it depends what the pass rate is <laughs> and the level of students. But um, we're uh, hoping to get about 50,000 applications. Define for me what a software engineer is. Because this is, you know, Dion Chang was talking about the new economies. And uh, I think software engineering definitely falls into that. But software engineer sounds like I'm a creative. You know, it's just everything. What is a software engineer? Uh, they're rock stars that can build anything. What? So, what, what does that mean? Give um, that to me. Give like what? What are they sure. building? So we start off with C, which is the fundamental. If you think of 
building a house is the foundation. You learn memory management. You learn everything. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to use C in the workplace, but it's really good to get that foundation. And even though we, we're saying on-the-job training, um, we don't have any classes, so we don't ever teach you this is memory management, but you work on projects and you still do learn the theory as you go. Then we move into web and then we move into object-oriented programming and then we move into the last semester. You can literally choose anything you want. So a software engineer... So I actually think that you're not going to study coding because coding is going to be in everything. But the other thing that makes us so different is that it's tailored to the individual. So we've got in the first semester, we've got three different modules. We've got graphics, we've got Unix, and we've got algorithms and artificial intelligence. So for graphics, actually, there's a lot of math behind graphics. Um, if you can, if you've ever played a video game, um, our students had to recreate Wolfenstein 3D. It was the first first person shooter game oh from the eighties. Oh my word, 80s. Wolfenstein! They created it after two months, which oh, is geez. incredible. But it's matrix <laughs> rotations to make the objects move. So that's quite mathematical and analytical. But then we've also got the algorithms and artificial intelligence side, and now we've got the website. So actually, you can sort of specialize into the field that you that you like the most. Mm-hmm. We've also got a UX, Dion mentioned UX as well. It's the user experience side. So it's the more creative side. We've got that as well. We've got that's, Unity. Which just to is, give people an idea, that's basically when you get onto a website, how do you move through the website if, or the app or whatever, it is, or the game or whatever it is. It's that user experience um, first person from the consumer perspective, correct? Very important, yes. Okay, cool. Carry on. And then we even have Unity. So that's what Pokemon Go is built in. So you can become a game developer or you can become a front-end web developer or you can go into data science. So it's actually difficult to just put it into a box. So that's why I'm saying this to me is the skills for the future. It's not you boxed into one little thing. And yes, maybe today you learn C, but you know what? Now Google's using Go. So now that's the new language or Ruby on Rails or whatever the latest thing is. It's going to change all the time. So to me, the skills that are important is are you continuously able to learn and are you just able to solve problems and do you know which tools to use? So we believe that if you have this, these foundations, if you have the foundations of coding, then it's very easy to learn a new skill and the whole analytical problem solving way of thinking. That's what we'd like to ingrain in our students. So this is very interesting because this is definitely the new way of learning. It's not about the content per se. Yes. Um, the rote learning as they used to talk about in industrial traditional learning, you know, learning the, the, the seven mountains that are in Africa and the 15 rivers and, and whatever off by heart. But it's more about a process in how to learn mm. rather than what you're learning specifically because that's changing all the time. Absolutely. And what what's, I mean, the major thing that's changed is access to information. So a couple of years or 20, 30 years ago, it was important to know those things because you had to go look for an encyclopedia and look it up. But now we've all got a computer in our hands and you just Google it. So the world has changed. So now the skills required has changed as well. But now it's also... Am I able to find that information? Not do I know that information off by heart, Mm -hmm. but am I able to actually find that? And if I have all this, there's this vast amounts of information out there. What do I do with it? Do I know how to make sense of it? And that's quite an interesting skill to have. 
All right, we've been speaking for the last hour about what does the future of tertiary education look like. We spoke earlier to Flux Trend CEO uh, Dion Chang. He's uh, an analyst, a futurist, and now we're speaking to someone who's on the ground, Arlene Mulder, who is part of an organization called We Think Code. Uh, I've had the pleasure of going to their, their campus in, uh, in Johannesburg, in the CBD. Very, very cool. Lots of excited young people. I mean, to be honest, I didn't understand what half of the words you just said in the last 20 minutes, but it's okay. Someone did, and maybe that's your application process, so that's important as well. Um, but, you know, Arlene, you, you, uh, you went and, and spoke a little bit earlier about you don't even need matric to apply for We Think Code. We know that there's a huge educational gap, not only in tertiary, but, but bigger in, in the lower forms. Um, and I'm talking about basic education now, about 1.6 million people into the system at grade one and only about 465,000, I stand to be corrected, actually come out, uh, in, in grade 12. Is there any way that we think code could be implemented at a, at a high school level? Yes, absolutely. Um, if, if we really want, so I guess our big vision is that we want to create a new industry in South Africa. And I really believe that's possible. We've got incredible potential and talent here, but it needs to start much earlier. It needs to start at primary education. Mm-hmm. So I think there is definitely a potential to roll out something similar to our thinking. So we've got this whole intranet gamified system mm-hmm. where you work on projects, it's peer-to-peer correction. I think there's a there's a massive opportunity to roll this out for primary school and, and high school. Um, we don't have that at the moment, and we're hoping to work with partners as well to help us to do that. But absolutely, we it needs to start it needs to start at a primary school level. Saying that some of our students have never worked on computers before uh, mm-hmm. when they came to the boot camp. So we're not saying that it's essential, but it, and we're saying it doesn't matter what you've studied before, but it does still create soft barriers and um, critical thinking, problem solving, just being exposed to everything that's out there in the world. It definitely does play a big role at a young age. I'm interested to hear a bit about your statistics because 30,000 people played the game to, to apply online. I suppose it shows the demand for this, uh, for this kind of uh, education. How many of those people that got through the boot camp and are in your system now actually do have some kind of formal tertiary education? So about Be ten, honest, come uh, on. So about 10 of our students um, have degrees. Okay. Um, and 11 of our students don't even have matric. All right. So it's it's a massive mix, but we've got we've got some accountants. We've got a previous dive instructor in our in our course. He knows exactly what he's doing there. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it's incredible. So what I love about the environment also is this massive diversity. So you've got a 35 year old ex dive instructor, and you've got one of our students turned 17 the day My before goodness. the course started. Um, and they're working together, which is actually amazing. And it's, it's great to see also the type of interactions and, and how much they learn from each other. So now here's, here's a bit more of a personal question. You're very young. So I'm, I'll put that out there. You're very young. So I don't think you, you, you have children, do you? No. Okay. You don't have children of your own just yet. Let's just say you did have a child who's now coming of age at the age of 17 and 18 because it's very easy to start this organization and this is what you believe in. But now your child is like, yo, mom, I want to go do fashion and I'm going to go to Paris and just, you know, chill on the streets there. What kind of advice are you giving to your child? What should they be doing? How should they be thinking about education? So so what I, what I really believe, the way of the future is that 
you should do what you're passionate about. That's also kind of our, our slogan is, are you born to code? So if I have a kid that wants to do fashion, I'm not going to force them to do computer science. Because she says now, what, <laughs> recorded for the short child of the future. Oh, right, it's there gonna, we go. It's going to come back to haunt me, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I believe you should, you should do what you're good at and you should do what you're passionate about. Um, I do believe there are certain things. So, for example, I believe if you study coding or computer science, you could probably do anything. By the way, I've posted something on my Facebook where Marquesa used IBM Watson to build a dress. So don't think fashion and coding can't go together. Oh, wow. But um, something like computer science and coding, it doesn't matter, I think, which field you want to go into. Listen, you have to be able to sit behind a computer and you've got to be passionate about that. Um, but... I think if you are passionate about sport or something else, I'm not going to tell them to enforce them to do this. So I don't know if that answers your question. How do we get young people that haven't had the education or the exposure through the Internet knowing about these opportunities? That That's a big that's a big thing that we're working on. So we are partnering um with organizations like Harambi, for example, they've got access to 250,000 unemployed young people and we spread the word like that. But it is, people are very much not educated about what is coding. Mm-hmm. I went to a, oh, and we need a lot more girls as well. I went to this take a girl child to work day the other day and these are smart metric girls and I asked them what is coding and not even one of them could tell me. Mm. Um, it's like people think it's this black box world, but then you ask them, okay, you know, Facebook, you know, websites, you know, WhatsApp. Yeah, of course. So then you ask them, okay, do you know who builds that? Like what kind of career? And it's almost, they didn't even imagine they could do that. Mm. So there's a lot of education that needs to happen. So what we're trying to do, we've just brought out this cool little video also, um, just to show people what it actually is and what you actually can do with coding. And it's not sitting in a dark basement. It is actually very social. It's interactive and it's very creative and it's imaginative because you can literally create anything with code. All right. As we wrap up, uh, this has been a fascinating discussion about what does the future of tertiary education look like? Of course, Fees must fall is still going on in South Africa and a lot of people angry about the access or accessibility of tertiary institutions and we're saying hey hold on a second there are other opportunities out there Arlene future of We Think Code what is happening how big are you going where are you going what's the future look like it's very exciting. So next year, we're taking in another 200 students into our Johannesburg campus. We are looking to also expand to Cape Town. So probably at the end of next year, we'll be in Cape Town. And we've got the rise to sub-Saharan Africa. So we've been investigating countries like Kenya and Ivory Coast. Um, but for now, our focus is South Africa. But um, our our mission is to source and develop 100,000 coders in Africa. So. Wow, that's big. When can people apply? They can apply right now. Just go onto our website, wethinko.co.za, and take the test. Have I done enough punting for you? Are Thank you. you. Are you that was amazing. Now? Okay, there you go. I was go. waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those of you that aren't coders out there and are looking for different types of education, uh, I put something out on Facebook the other day, and I got a lot of stuff back. Um, so I just wanted to mention a few of them. There's uh, if you're if you're interested in farming, there's a thing called Bootle Farming Academy. There's Project Codex. There's Rockstart. There's the Maharishi. 
Rishi Institute. There's Harambe, there's MOOC, there's edX, there's Coursera, there's uh, Bookamoo. Um, so there's a whole bunch of these online things. Please do let us know if you have any that you want us to punt uh, at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. You can uh, let us know and we'll get the word out there. We need to open this up a little bit and showcase to not only young people but parents as well that there are different options out there for education. Arlene, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. She is the founder, the CEO, the MD of We Think Code. You can also catch her on Twitter at Arlene, A-R-L-E-N-E. M-U-L-D-E-R, Arlene Mulder, and that is her Twitter handle, or you can check out We Think Code as well. And of course, if you, if you're interested by Dion Chang, you can catch him on at Dion Chang, uh, for all the trends coming up in the future. Bye, Dunkey. And, uh, and tot ziens, I suppose. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm so sorry. It is really embarrassing. We'll work on it. We'll, we'll work, work on it. We'll work on it. And so check out some of those options. Of course, there's also umuzi.org for the creatives out there. I've got a pun my own organization. Um, we're looking at education differently as well for the creatives out there who can't afford education. And hey, we want to hear from you as well. What are your thoughts about the different types of education out there? Is university the only option? And uh, if you had a child today, would you be wanting them? to go to an education system like that. Listen, Fees Must Fall is still going on. We want to say uh, a very big keep safe to both the, the, the students and the police and the administrators. South Africa can do better and we will do better. Catch you next week. Ciao, ciao.